Here's a message from Ken Lavica. This reputation that Lamar Jackson can't throw, finally someone saying it. Bless you, Steve Young. It's time to blame the Ravens. Stone Labanowitz hit the open. On your mark. Get set. Go! You are listening to Ken Lavica Live. What? Did we just become best friends? Yup. You want to go do karate in the garage? Yup. Turn it up. Turn it up! Now, live from the Anajar and Levine Accident Attorney Studios, it's Ken Lavica Live on ESPN 1063. What's the best word to describe Steve Young on ESPN? That was this morning, right, Stone? I think it was last night. Last night. NFL countdown, probably, yes, right? Yes, sir. What's the best word to describe? Spicy? Last night? Spicy? <laughs> yeah, spicy and fiery if they going, tie together. Going to bat for Lamar Jackson? It was really awesome. Man, Steve Young. His Q rating in my world going up <laughs> before the start of the NFL season. <laughs> w- w- when it comes to fans thinking athletes have limitations... I think it's a good rule of thumb based on how some franchises handle what they put on the field or the court. Uh, maybe just maybe it's not the individual's fault and it's the fault of the collective. Maybe just maybe. You'd think maybe your common sense brain would bring you to that point. Sometimes it's difficult to go there, though, because we like to just throw darts at athletes. Ah, oh, this guy sucks. Ah, oh, this guy's limited. Ah, oh, what a bust. But maybe just maybe there's something Bigger to it. And why does Lamar Jackson not have a contract right now? Why is there a debate whether or not he's a top 10 quarterback? Why is there a debate whether or not he should be the highest paid player in the NFL? Well, maybe the Ravens haven't actually given him a chance to break out of the reputation, unfair in my opinion he has, that he can't throw the ball. Ken Levick alive on a Friday here on ESPN 106.3. We have made it. Thank you. The higher power that we're here at the end of the week. We're in the Anna John Levine Accident Attorney Studios, downtown West Palm Beach. Phillips Point Towers right off of the hot, uncomfortable, miserable Intracoastal on ESPN 106.3 as well as ESPN, the free ESPN app and on your smart speaker. Friday Night Light, Stone Labanowitz, my radio life partner, runs this catastrophe until 2 o'clock. Let's hear from Steve Young. So Steve Young last night on ESPN... The discussion was Lamar Jackson, and Steve Young basically finally took the bat to the Ravens organization and said, hey, maybe we think that Lamar Jackson is limited in some areas, or maybe he's incapable of winning a title because the Ravens are holding him back and not the other way around. And I've got to admit, when I heard this, I looked to the sky and I think I, I saw a heavenly light shine down. It all made sense. It's the type of thing that can make me religious. Preach, Steve Young. I now kneel at the altar of Steve Young. Does that make me Mormon, though, because he went to BYU? Not sure. Going to have to do some research on that. Does that mean I have to go on a mission? I'm headed to Peru until I'm 33? Come back with 40 kids? <laughs> 40. Mormons, they, they do kids. They, 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 they have a lot of kids. 
their thing. Well, here's, they all send them on a mission. Well, uh, here's Steve Young. All right, here's Steve Young. Robert, you set me up perfectly because the Baltimore Ravens have doubled down again on being the most un, being the most sophisticated running game in football, and they have been mowing through regular season opponents for a long time with this most sophisticated running game. My position is they will never get to championship football without a sophisticated passing game. That's not anything to do with Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is a complete player that is being not trained in being a sophisticated passer. They doubled down again back to all the great things that Lamar does. Great. But until he gets the chance to show that he is a sophisticated passer of the football in a sophisticated passing game that is properly you know, invested in, which we never have, which they never have done to Robert's point just a minute ago. They don't invest in it. They don't teach it. And now you ask them, why isn't he getting paid to be Patrick Mahomes? Because they haven't given him a chance to be Patrick Mahomes. So until they do, Lamar Jackson's damned because of what the Ravens are doing, not because of Lamar Jackson. I can't wait for someone to train Lamar Jackson in a sophisticated passing game. I think he'd be the greatest player in the history of the game. Yeah. But he keeps getting, he's being held back by the Ravens year after year because they keep doubling down to this thing that Lamar Jackson is great at. No question, he's, he's the best at that. Yeah. But it's not the championship football that they need to play, and it's not where Lamar Jackson wants to be. I want the full measure, Robert, of yeah. who Lamar Jackson is. And the full measure is not being brought forward by the Ravens. And if that's not the case, then get out and find someone who will. Oh, man. That's awesome. That is spectacularly correct. Across the board. And it can be both things. The Ravens wanting to acclimate Lamar Jackson after he was drafted in the first round. Wanting to get him to play the quarterback position as early as possible. Acclimated an offense around him. That he thrived in. That he has maximized to the tune of an MVP. To the tune of one of the best regular season quarterbacks we have seen in the last five years. The, the tune of a road playoff victory. But it can also be that the reason that the Ravens haven't taken that leap once Lamar Jackson got comfortable playing quarterback in the freaking NFL is that they've just kept him in this reined-in offensive style that says, Lamar, run. Put your body on the line and not, hey, Maybe we're going to set up some plays where you can sit in the pocket and actually pick out receivers. We're going to roll you out in the play action, and we're going to allow you to take deep shots with guys capable of winning 50-50 balls, with guys capable of maximizing yards after the catch. The Ravens haven't done that. They've stuck with the kid gloves, young, unconventional quarterback offense, and they've never graduated to the, this dude's an MVP, let's run, an innovative NFL offense. Yeah, and we're surprised that he can't win playoff games mm -hmm. when the only thing on film is the kid gloves offense. Right, exactly, exactly. So defenses have, you know, 14, 15, 16 games of films to watch. Correct. And just tee off on the things, you know, that, that they do that a team like, you know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or a team like the Los Angeles Rams do that as far as, you know, being pro style and taking shots on third and short when you can tee off on Lamar Jackson when he's going to tuck and run in a lot of those situations. So, Steve Young, I can't believe it took someone this long to say it, but me and you are both glad he did. I think that, and John Harbaugh is a very good coach. Awesome. But I think that what we do as NFL observers and fans is we tend to 
completely buy into a coach to a point, especially one that's been around as long as John Harbaugh has in charge of the Ravens, Super Bowl champion head coach, and uh, they become untouchable. They get to a point where they are beholden from criticism, especially when you have the last name Harbaugh, right? And you're the normal of the brothers, the normal one of the brothers, right? The one that doesn't come off as completely psychotic, okay? And it's easy when it's John Harbaugh versus unconventional, something the league has never seen before, Lamar Jackson, to say, oh, well, obviously John Harbaugh knows best. But Steve Young saying no lies. When have the Ravens invested in pass catchers, elite pass catchers, for Lamar Jackson? The answer to that is they have not. They just haven't done it. They've placed some pieces around Lamar, and they've tasked Lamar Jackson with his unbelievable, unreal athleticism to just work with it. And honestly, largely, he has. The Ravens, year after year after year, as opposed to last season, or other than last season, where finally some injuries hit Lamar Jackson, and that's going to happen. Happens to every quarterback. They've been one of the best, if not the best, regular season team in football. And it's largely because of Lamar Jackson. It's about time someone said it. The Ravens are holding back themselves and holding back Lamar Jackson. They're holding back Lamar Jackson, and by extension, they're holding back the franchise. The reason they have not reached a Super Bowl with Lamar Jackson is because they're not letting them throw it. And that festers, right, Stone? Because how many times, especially in that, oh, is Lamar Jackson a top 10 quarterback? How many times did we get a tweet or a call well, he would be top ten if he could throw the ball. If he could, why do you think? Why do you think that the coaches and the scouts and the front office people that were surveyed by ESPN that left Lamar Jackson out of the top ten? Why do you think that idea festers? It's because a reputation that won't go away because the Ravens won't allow it to go away that he can't throw. People don't want to actually look. At evidence, They don't want to look at video. It's easy to just spew repeated talking points. Lamar Jackson can't throw. And then you call into the radio show. Lamar Jackson can't throw. <laughs> Even though the numbers don't say that. The numbers, when Lamar Jackson is healthy, he is right on par with some of the more accurate passers in the league. QBR right up there. QB rating, how, whichever one you want to pick, Right up there. Yeah, we've also touched on in the past that he led the league in touchdown passes, I believe, you know, three seasons That's not a mistake. I mean, it's not a mistake. And I think we're not stupid in the sense of knowing why he's not in the top ten. And if defensive coordinators and GMs are on that survey, I think it's because they know how easy it is to stop him and how easy it is to key and scheme him up. Not but that's him, not, but the Ravens' offense. But the Ravens' offense. Because that's, that's he, my despite point. that, has, for the most part in his career— Gone absolutely crazy, silly through defenses who knew what was coming, and because he is all world, he has beaten them. Right, and I and I think that now where where the game is headed with analytics and, and offensive minded coaches wanting to be efficient, I think they know this is where they can get the most production. Running the offense like this, having him bail them out of situations with his legs. And I think early on in his career, he wasn't able to fit the pro-style mold, so they didn't implement a lot of that mm-hmm. stuff in the but playbook. But they've never evolved after that. But they've never evolved, and I think that's where we're at now. I think Lamar is now 
capable of doing the things that guys like Justin Herbert, and I already mentioned Matthew Stafford, I'm just talking about standalone pro-style guys, but right. they haven't evolved. And this is not, oh, well, if they go more pro-style, then surely Lamar Jackson this year should be able to uh, to show us what he can do. But it doesn't work like that. <laughs> no, the hell it doesn't. what receivers does he have? Do you think that James Proch is going to step up and be a pro bowler? Yeah, Rashad, no. Rashad Bateman is their number one wide receiver right I mean, now. come on. Uh, no offense to Rashad Bateman and his family. My sincere apologies, but no. Like, no. Yeah, I mean, I had my finger, or I had the option to draft him last night, one of my fantasy football drafts, and I just couldn't do it. I'm just like, I'm not drafting Rashad Bateman in the eighth or ninth round. This would require an investment, a dedication <laughs> from the Ravens <laughs> yes. to go find weapons like Patrick Mahomes had for the last several years. And now we're really, this year, right, we're really going to get a snapshot of Patrick Mahomes. Is he capable of overcoming a lack of weapons compared to what he's had? Now, he, he still has the all-universe tight end, but what about the receivers? What about no Tyreek Hill? I'm not saying that he's going to regress and we're going to say, my God, what a fraud this man is. But this is going to be, compared to previous years, a bit of a a, a step down in receiver uh, potential for him. Yeah, I'm not quite willing to make that statement with you with guys like Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Travis Kelsey, well, Sky I, Moore's I a young guy. I give credit to Travis Kelsey. Juju Smith-Schuster. But you're going to say Juju Smith-Schuster or uh, a guy like uh, Michael Hardman are the same level as Tyreek Hill? Like, come on. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. It's a step down automatically because Tyreek Hill isn't there. So I'm just curious to see because things went south a bit last year and the Chiefs were able to rebound. Patrick Mahomes rebounded because he is a great player. But what happens if it's more difficult with a step down in talent in that receiving core to pull out of that funk? That's going to be the question. But here's the thing. I know that the Chiefs and Andy Reid will adjust. The Ravens haven't shown much ability to adjust. And then in off-seasons... How do they bolster their offense? They don't. They don't, but I'm, I'm going to get a little X's and O's here. Whenever you have a receiver, right, who, and, and I, I don't want to use the delusional word, but Tyreek Hill is really, really confident. He's a confident player. He's confident in his abilities and himself socially. Whenever you get a player like that who wants to get paid a lot of money, you know he's asking for the ball. You know he wants a certain amount of targets. I have to wonder as a quarterback if Patrick Mahomes is going to feel a little more comfortable, a little more at ease when he drops back. he's not going to be barked at. He's not going to be barked at. He doesn't have to force the ball to a guy like Tyreek Hill because Tua, I know damn well what he's going to be going through in week one if he doesn't get Tyreek Hill more than five targets. Like He's going to hear it, and he's going to feel it from his body language. But it's about being put in a position to succeed, and I think that's the overwhelming point because, and we'll talk with Mike Tannenbaum in just a moment here on Ken LaVica Live. It's about being put in a position to succeed. And that does bring me to Tua. Tua's been held back by the Dolphins franchise. You can think he sucks. You can think that he's a bust. You can think he doesn't have the arm for the NFL. But there is no denying that Tua Tungavailoa has flat out been held back. He had a head coach who was completely incapable of handling a quarterback situation. Brought to a tongue of Iowa in at a weird and incorrect time to replace Ryan Fitzpatrick. A coach in Brian Flores who didn't understand how offense worked. So much so he brought in 17 offensive coordinators last year. And then you hear Mike McDaniel this year. It's a complete 180. Supportive of Tua Tungavailoa. 
We'll hear it in a moment. But telling Dan Lebetard, yeah, he is the most, he throws the most accurate ball I've ever seen. Supporting his quarterback, that automatically is having him in a greater position to succeed than any time under Brian Flores because the personnel is there, the brain is there, the ability to give confidence to a quarterback is there, and the guy just knows what he's doing as opposed to what Tua had with the Dolphins. Sometimes being held back, the simple, the simple cure for it is to bring in somebody who cares and to bring in somebody who knows what they're doing. Yeah, think about how Mike McDaniel killed the interception or turnover turnover uh, talk that's happened this past week with Tua Tungavailoa. Imagine if it were Carson Wentz who had thrown six or seven interceptions in two or three practices where the commanders would have let that narrative go. Mike McDaniel nipped it in the butt and turned it into a positive, talked about how good the defense has looked, how good Javon Holland has looked. He's used it. He's done it properly and allowed you know Tua not to be in his own head about it. So I want everybody to think about this because Lamar Jackson, I think it is an example. I agree with Steve Young. I think Tua is an example Which athletes are held back by their franchise most? Which athletes are held most back by their teams? 888-760-3776. It doesn't have to be football, but which athletes are held back the most by the team they play for? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Tweet at us at KLV1063. That's 888 760-3776. Mike Tannenbaum joins us here, our football insider on Ken LaVica Live early on in today's show. Mike doing his thing up in Bristol, doing great work as always. Former Jets GM, former president of football operations for the Dolphins. Mike, uh, I want to start with this before I focus on uh, them just clowning you this morning unfairly, uh, I I will add, on Get Up when they were uh, showing the clip of you fielding a punt or trying to in 2010 at Jets training camp. But um, when it comes to Steve Young's comments about Lamar Jackson being held back by the Ravens, they've never really fully dedicated themselves to a passing game. And you're someone who said two weeks ago, you think Lamar Jackson's going to be the highest paid player in the NFL uh, sooner rather than later. Do you agree with the assessment of Steve Young? Well, safe to say I didn't go to college on a punt returning scholarship, <laughs> Ken. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I, I, I disagree with, with Steve Young. The guy was the league MVP. Um, he has, obviously, ways that his game can evolve, as most young players and quarterbacks can. Um, they've done a great job fortifying the offensive line, something that Chicago hasn't done with Justin Fields. Rashad Bateman has to evolve. But, um, you know, there's a great foundation there, one in which I think Lamar Jackson will continue to evolve and improve on. And, he deserves to be the highest-paid quarterback in the league, and I would think when his extension's done, that, that will happen. Is there, at some point, though, the Ravens, do you think there's a feeling of obligation? Maybe just maybe we should go try and be in on, at some point down the road, I'm not saying next offseason, but try and get him an elite receiver. Trade or free agency, uh, acquire someone like the Dolphins did. They absolutely just went for it with Tyreek Hill when he was available. Do you see the Ravens ever doing that for Lamar Jackson? Again, you know, long term, like there's ways this this the, they could evolve and get better. And look, if he throws a couple of deep passes early in the year, like this, all this noise goes away, Ken. So, you know, this could be sort of like a non-starter. But um, we'll we'll see what happens in terms of getting the contract done. 
he's a great player. Like I said, he's already been a league MVP. He's led his team to the playoffs. Like as a team that trained up for the first round for a quarterback, I don't know what more you can ask for. Uh, Mike Tannenbaum with us here, our football insider on Ken Levick Alive. So uh, on Get Up, I, I glance up at the TV and uh, I see the clip of you in 2010 trying to field the punt, and uh, it, it hits you in the chest. You you lined it up well, you read it well, but then it hits you in the chest. Uh, you muff it and you fall backwards uh, onto the 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 turf. Um, what what's going through your mind as is everybody's watching you and you not only muff the punt but you also lose your balance and fall. Uh, on your backside on the practice field. Well, it just shows you how uh, manipulative Rex Ryan is. What the, the truth of the story, uh-huh. Ken, is this. We're up in Cortland. It's the end of a practice. I got a buddy in town. He has a buddy in town. And we start like having a competition, like baseball innings, like who in the aggregate could catch more punts, okay. me and my buddy, or Rex and his. We won the competition, most, most importantly. With that said... You know, to keep things fair, I wanted to drop a few so Rex didn't feel like I was just blo- ah. <laughs> so. But, but you know, I I wound up dropping a few and obviously fell on my ass. And <laughs> typical Rex, he paid off the producers of of Hard Knocks, and that's why that now clip lives in uh, infamy. That is fantastic. That is it. Just shows though those Jets teams, and I was covering the Dolphins at the time. The feeling in the Dolphins locker room, it was a little tense a lot of the time. It was pretty heavy. It seemed like when things were going well with the Jets, that was just chaos in a good way all the time. What was it like in the the glory years of Rex Ryan in those back to back AFC title games around the facility? Yeah, I always say, Ken, like Rex is what you see is what you get. He, he was funny. Um, he had incredible bravado and confidence. I mean, you know, I had the privilege of being in the back of the room and hearing his, you know, speeches the night before. Like, he believed with every ounce of his soul that we were going to win the next game. And, you know, that confidence was authentic. And, and it really was, uh, like, th- those were, like, great memories and great relationships. And, you know, proud to call my friend, you know, all, all the way to today. And uh, that, that's what this is all about at the end of the day. Uh, so I want to ask you, Mike Tannenbaum with us here, Ken Levick Alive, our football insider. Tom Brady, it seemed like Todd Bowles, when he spoke yesterday, not quite sure when Tom Brady's going to be back from his training camp hiatus. At what point do we start to say, huh, this could potentially be a problem for the Bucks? How much longer does this have to last? Yeah, if we're having this conversation next week, I think that's when we could start, you know, getting into the wait a second here. Yeah. Um, so. You know, it's Tom Brady. He he's obviously richly deserved any benefit of the doubt. So, um, but we'll see. You know, like I don't think it's a big story. I expect him to be back sooner or later. But you know, it's one that obviously we should closely monitor. Yeah, if we're talking about it next Friday, then uh, I have a feeling that's what we're leading with uh, when we chat. So yesterday on the show, two straight hours, we talked to Sean Watson. The news broke of his revised punishment right before we got on the air. Took calls for two straight hours on this. I want to ask you, as someone who has been there, you've been in controversial situations in your long time in the NFL. When he does come back and they play the Texans in Week 13, and then the remainder of that season, especially if the Browns have still found themselves in a playoff position, It's going to be chaos all the time. It is going to be questions. It is going to be a traveling road show. It is going to be abusive on the road for Deshaun Watson and the Browns. How do you possibly insulate with all of that going on around the team? You win. Yeah. You win. That's all it takes. And when you start winning, everything else falls in line. Now, with that said, you know, again, there's 24 victims 
that have alleged very serious sexual misconduct by Deshaun Watson. And I thought one of the things that was disappointing yesterday was I thought Deshaun Watson lacked authenticity. I thought his statement mm-hmm. was heartfelt. And, and, but as the day went on and the more he spoke and the more Jimmy Haslam spoke, um, I thought the worse it got. And hopefully this time away he'll learn to have you know, true remorse, you know, be, be apologetic in a much more sincere way. I just think over time, like, our country is one that's very forgiving, but it starts with somebody uh, taking accountability, owning their mistakes, and then truly trying to work on being a better person, not just saying it. And, you know, let's face it, like, if they're winning, a lot of this goes away. But with the the winning goes a lot of personal growth and development. It starts with the accountability, Ken, of him owning his actions and, and truly being apologetic for them. Mike, that is so well said, and that was a big part of our issue yesterday, is it seemed like the closest thing we saw to remorse happened last week on NFL Network before that preseason game against Jacksonville, and then it was five steps back yesterday, including people around him making sure they reached out to NFL reporters to maintain, yeah, he's innocent. He believes he's innocent. I just don't understand it. And using the word triggered like he did, just like Jimmy Haslam did in the statement a few weeks back, when it comes to how an organization functions in a time of crisis like that, where you're trying to convey a message, you're trying to make sure that you're being put out in the best possible light. I don't know how the Browns are continuing to fail at this, but what is your, as a GM, Say you're with the Jets. Say you're with the Dolphins. Is there communication with the the communications department, with the the media relations department? Is there a coming together to figure out wording and figure out messaging? How do you construct that? Because the Browns have not done a good job. Yeah, I mean, you 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 you, you get the heads up from the league that you know this decision's coming out, and then you know you just kind of work from there about you know just in terms of. You know who's saying what when, and you know it, all those things. You you can certainly say, hey, like we're putting out a statement this afternoon. Deshaun Watson has meetings, but he's going to have availability tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. with Jimmy Haslam, and then it, it gives you time to sort of sit down, understand. You know what do you want to say? How do you want to say it? Um, but it seemed like he just kind of jumped off the field, jumped you know behind a microphone and. He was asked, you know, very appropriate questions that I don't think he handled very well. No, no, absolutely not. One more here for Mike Tannenbaum, our football insider here on Ken Levick Alive. Uh, Tua Tungavailoa has thrown seven interceptions in the last three practices, four of them to Javon Holland. So I'll, I'll ask you, should I be more worried about Tua or more pumped over Javon Holland right now? It, you know, it, it's practice. Uh, I wouldn't worry about either one. You know, like you want him to – Make mistakes in practice and try things. I, I, you know, there's such overreaction around the country about this guy or that guy. Javon Holland has a chance to be a really good player, and what Tua does, you know, in the regular season, especially against New England opening day, is way more important than you know what he may or may not have done in practice recently. Mike, awesome stuff. Appreciate it. Well, well done. If you could, a message for Greco Chevy. Yeah, Greco Chevy, you know, they are great in practice and the real thing. They have a great selection of cars. We just bought a Chevy Bolt, which is a state-of-the-art technology. They're conveniently located on Federal Highway in Delray Beach, and Ron and his staff do an incredible job. It's a great car buying experience. Mike, excellent, excellent work. Always good to chat. We'll do it next week. Have a great weekend, okay? Thanks so much. Really appreciate it. All right. That is Mike Tannenbaum. That was well done by Mike Tannenbaum. And I think everything he said, Stone, about Deshaun Watson, how that seemed to be a regression 
in everything revolving that saga yesterday, from the punishment to the words to the statements to the tone. That was a complete NFL, Deshaun Watson, Cleveland Browns fail job yesterday. Yeah, they definitely fumbled their opportunity. And, you know, we hit on it, but I like what Mike said when he said that they had an opportunity at the beginning to kind of capitalize on this and say the right things. And And then as the day went on, it got worse and worse, and I couldn't agree with that more. Classic Cleveland crap fest, to use as much alliteration as I possibly can. Which athlete is held back most by their team? Which athlete is most held back by their team? I think it's been Tua. I agree with Steve Young, which means I disagree with Mike Tannenbaum. (laughs) Lamar Jackson has been held back by the Ravens. Get him some elite pass catchers and let him show you the dude can win a Super Bowl. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Tweet at KLV1063. That's 888-760-3776. Three seven seven six. Let's go to Ben in Boynton, who's been waiting patiently. Ben's on Ken Levick alive. What's going on, Ben? What's up, man? Good afternoon, guys. How y'all doing? Good, brother. Good. 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 So I was. Um, that was a great set with Tannenbaum, by the way. Was, Thank you. You know, he's, he's he's yeah. You guys do a great job, and he's super um, seems super in touch. You know, like while Absolutely. we're the Cleveland Browns, I'm like totally tone deaf to what's going on. So. Um, before we transition, though, into that, into the most held back player, I just wanted to, you know, I, we were talking, you guys were talking about Deshaun, and, you know, it's, it's a big topic right now. And I just think, like, they can try to say all they want, and, and, you know, other people can defend him, but, like, there's a reason that background checks exist. And when you're going to employ a human being or a person, you know, for your company, you'd want to know, like, if any other employer found out, oh, this guy has 24 cases of pending sexual litigation, yeah. like, let me, let me not put the women at my organization at possible risk. Like, it's just, it's just super, uh, I don't know, I'm, t- I'm tired of how the NFL is just allowed to, like, hire these people and we're just supposed to accept it like it's, it's cool. Like, we wouldn't accept this at our company if we found out this was the guy who was sitting next to us in the cubicle, you know? Ben, it's interesting you say that because Jimmy Haslam, the owner, was asked yesterday if they would draft Deshaun Watson again. If he said, had, absolutely. And he said, absolutely, we would. So it's really funny you say that because they did their background check. Everything that they wanted to know that 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 was bad about him and that he's done they figured out and still would do it again and ben don't worry i'll make you feel better about it the gm made sure to say what's important here is that we have a quarterback who's 26 years old and at his (laughs) peak and don't forget after all the allegations then he got 230 million dollars it wasn't just oh i don't want to put them around the the women in my company it's we're going to give them the richest contract in this industry that we've ever seen so there you go good times all around right yeah, it's like Twilight Zone, man. I don't know. I guess yep. I guess being a, a normal, nice human being and treating people with respect has gone the way. How dare but, you? Um, How dare you think that is something that we're capable of, Ben? I'll, I'll work on being more disrespectful. Don't worry. <laughs> um, but no. So going back to you guys' point, Tua for sure um, with uh, with being held back. Um, my guy, being as a, a Giants fan. Um, I got to say Saquon because we've never given the guy an offensive line Love or a, a, yeah. a system that you know can let the guy succeed. So that's that's my vote is Saquon. Uh, that is really well done, and also too, and appreciate the call. Let's think about it. Saquon was a number two pick. Am I correct? Yes. So yes, it also is a running back in modern day football. A running back taken number two overall. That in and of itself, the way that football is played <laughs> yeah, these days, it. in the way that that position 
can you can just mix and match all you want. You can play the waiver wire and find someone if you have a good offensive line. That is undue pressure on a player at that position to take him number two overall. He, because the Giants were trying to be smarter than everybody in the draft room, getting a running back at number two, put unnecessary pressure on Saquon Barkley. And it doesn't help that he hasn't had the offensive lines to help and he's been banged up because of it. Yeah. Saquon Barkley is he has absolutely in the right offense. You think with Mike McDaniel, the way the 49ers <laughs> ran the football, Saquon Barkley wouldn't be a Pro Bowler every single year. I mean, Jesus, they made Debo Samuel into a dangerous mm. running threat. Saquon would just bull through defenses. Saquon Barkley is definitely allowed to be on this list, and he's a great example. Yeah, I think it's great. Sandy is in Ohio. Sandy's on Ken Levick Alive. Hey Sandy. Hi, Ken. How are you? Long time listener. Thank you. I'm actually, uh, I spent 10 years in West Palm Beach, but that's neither here nor there. That's where I first heard you. Um, Excellent. I I had a comment about Watson. Yeah. So I respect Robinson. I thought she was a reputable third party. Mm -hmm. She used a president. Mm -hmm. And what the NFL wanted was a a media show. Right. Uh, As a woman, I say, where's the proof? I know something happened. What can we prove? If we go back to Kraft and, you know, West Palm Beach, there was video which was never uh, allowed to be shown. Why aren't owners held to any standard? Nobody was fined. You're right. So, so I wouldn't think Watson was kind of a, a whipping boy in, in some respects because I'm about proof. I'm about, you know, you're innocent until you're proven guilty. Um, I'm glad they settled this because it was getting a little out of hand, and I am a long-term Browns fan. Sure. And I'm okay with him playing. I, I'm okay with that because I don't know what really happened. I don't think any of us know. And at the end and of the day, you're a football it. fan. Like, I totally get that. And that's not something yes, to be held against you. Fan. Yes. And so, like I admitted yesterday, I'm a meatball. Am I going to tune in for Deshaun Watson against the Texans when he comes back? Yes. I'm not going to sit there and boycott something. That's just empty. But what I will say is you're right. The standard for the owners, how Jerry Jones has not been suspended for anything. Robert Kraft, there's legit video. We said it yesterday. Sure. There, there was, yep. If there was video of something with Deshaun Watson, it would have been leaked in 37 seconds, maybe quicker. Absolutely. But Robert Kraft, big money, friends in high places, it never got out. There is a different standard for ownership and players, despite the Absolutely. fact the conduct policy wants you uh, to think otherwise. And for, uh, with Judge Robinson, she had evidence that she considered, she believed something absolutely took place, but the NFL only brought forth four cases of evidence, four accusers. That's on them in this situation. She made her ruling. She set a precedent, and for me, if I'm Judge Robinson, I'd be walking out the door as the independent arbiter because I had my knees cut out from me on case one. I'd be pissed off. Like It was a slap in the face to her as a woman, Yep. as a woman making a decision, um, and, and I've always supported Roger Goodell, believe it or not, a lot of people hate him. I always liked him because I thought, let's face it, he works for the owners, and he makes money for the owners, and he's done a great job with the NFL. That this, part has gone well, right. But that's why he can't be yeah. the moral compass of the NFL. Because he gets paid by the owners automatically should mean he cannot be the moral compass of the league. And, Sandy, appreciate the call. That's another another step to this, is that it's not just – a terrible message to women, what's happened with the NFL. 
what's happened with Deshaun Watson. And again, I thought it should have stayed at six games because I appreciated the NFL staying true to its CBA, respecting the decision of Judge Robinson. Once they decided to appeal, then fine. You better you better wipe out the entire season for Deshaun Watson. Not only did they not do that, they made sure they could get the TV ratings for him playing against Houston coming back. And they've diminished a woman, former federal judge, who came in to do a job, an important job, and they basically said, ah, ah, no, sorry, sweetheart, move over. We got this. For sure. For sure. Also, I think it was a very badass call from Sandy to voice her opinion in a negative manner about Deshaun, but then to say, I'm a Browns fan and I'm still going to root for him because, right, he had, like, well, I don't, I don't know what wording she used. She said, well, because we haven't seen anything. She just took the correct approach well, on saying that I disagree with him and Roger, but I'm a Browns fan and I'm still going to, you know, support This is what it's going to come down to, and it was going to come down to it for Dolphins fans as well. You can hate the quarterback, hate the man, think he's a scumbag, but man, you know what heals all of that? Because it, at our core, we're meatball football fans, and our standards really depend on if we're judging them off the field or on the field. Deshaun Watson winning. That's going to, that's, that's honestly, it's sad, but just admit it. That's how most of us are wired. Yeah, it is, but I'm not quite willing to say sad because this guy's put his heart and soul into this sport, right? And trains his ass off and he's a friend of his guys in the locker room. But I'm just saying on the field, like you're allowed to root for somebody who's put forth the effort to become one of the best in the game. And I think that's what. Sandy was hinting at, and I thought it was really, really well Well, said. rooting for your team doesn't mean you have to root for every single individual on said team. Yeah. Okay? But again, let's not be hypocritical. It's easy for us now from a distance to say, oh, the Browns, Browns fans, you support Deshaun Watson, what a bunch of scumbags. <laughs> it's easy to say that from a distance. For sure. I assure you that those saying that, if he was on your team, you'd be jumping through the same damn hoops that Browns fans are jumping through right now. We are super late. We'll be back. More to come. Uh, the, the athlete who is held back most by their team. The athlete held back most by their team. Tua, Lamar Jackson, Saquon Barkley. Who's the athlete held back most by their team? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Tweet at KLV1063. That's 888-760-3776. My one tip to the Browns, though, make it easy for your fans to support the team and maybe by extension the guy by not butchering every single media availability that you have because the biggest dumbassery has come out of that building that the Browns practice in, okay? There is no adult in that room, and they are screwing over the fans and painting that fan base in a bad light because they can't get their bleep together. That's Stone Labanowitz, Friday Night Lights. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3. From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken Levick Alive on ESPN 106.3. Ah, yes, Dave Matthews Band, DMB, tomorrow night, I think Financial Amphitheater, 7 o'clock, 6 o'clock, the doors open. I've seen Dave Matthews before at that venue. It ruled hard. (laughs) It's going to rule hard tomorrow. Not a ton of tickets left, so make sure you get in. Dave Matthews Band. And I believe this was rescheduled from earlier in the year, right? Yeah, it was. So Dave Matthews Band tomorrow, I think Financial Amphitheater, LiveNation.com for tickets, LiveNation.com 
for your tickets. Dave Matthews Band at I Think Financial Amphitheater, 7 o'clock. Doors open 6 o'clock, rain or shine. I Think Financial Amphitheater in West Palm Beach. If you don't like your bank, come experience why their members love I Think Financial. For more information, visit IThinkFI.org. I Think Financial, moving you forward. Uh, Stone, I realized in the break, this is something I might have to do in the next break. I have two, my lunch is two separate frozen, I don't want to call them frozen dinners. They're like healthy frozen whatever. It's like, I don't know, meals. meals. Yeah. You have to defrost them? Left left them in the car. Pretty sure they're already defrosted. (laughs) So I may have to in the break. I may have to come back from the next break while still fetching my lunch before it goes bad in my blazing hot car. Thanks, Phillips Point, sixth floor, no cover. Um, so, so that might be a thing we have to do. It might be a thing. Could be bad radio, but I'm just going to do it. They they might be cooked. They, they might be cooked already. Be, I might be dining on be, them on my way back because in. Because we are on the sixth floor, uh, and the sun is, God. I think, a heat index of 1,482 degrees. <laughs> so they might be cooked. Oh, damn it. I just remembered. So bring a fork. All right. <laughs> bring a fork. Bring your appetite. Uh, so, so if you hear me coming back from the next break on my phone, bringing us back into the show, you're going to know why. I'm getting my lunch that I left in the car. No, that's unacceptable. I'm a dumbass. That's unacceptable. I totally forgot about it. Because you run six miles every single morning. Okay, so it. what you're going to do is you're going to do some hamstring stretches. And just sprint it. On your tees yeah. on the way out. And yeah, you're going to sprint your ass up there to the sixth floor and get it on the way back. I trust you. We're going to give it a shot. We're going to give it a good go here. All right. Uh, So we've been talking about the the athlete held back most by their team because Steve Young on ESPN yesterday says Lamar Jackson's been held back by the Ravens because they haven't let him actually show off his arm. He's a complete player. He's got the arm. He can make the throws. The Ravens just haven't put the pass-catching talent around him. I think the same claim can be applied to Tua, and I understand Lamar has the resume, but apparently not. If 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 people in the league are ranking him outside the top ten quarterbacks, with his, it's patently ridiculous. Um, but he's got the MVP resume. He's got the playoff appearance resume. He's got the playoff win resume. Tua doesn't have any of that stuff. Um, so it's easy to say, ah, oh, Tua sucks, garbage, trash. Dolphins get another quarterback, but he has been vastly mismanaged, especially coming. Back from that massive injury into a quarterback situation with a media-beloved quarterback in Ryan Fitzpatrick is entered in at a weird time with a coach who has no idea how to connect with his players, has no idea about anything pertaining to offense, as evidenced by the 47 offensive coordinators they had last year and the trash bag offensive line that they kept putting together under what appear to be below-average offensive line coaches And Brian Flores, I don't remember a ton of times where there was much encouragement delivered by him publicly for Tua Tungavailoa, especially last season. But it's been a vast difference this year with a guy in Mike McDaniels who not only understands offense, he excels at offense, but he also knows how to deal with people and different personalities and appears as if he just gives a damn. What a vast departure. What a vast departure from Brian Flores. 
For sure. It's like night and day. uh, That's well said because it is night and day. And I think Mike McDaniel understands narratives in the NFL and where they can do and what they can do, how they can make things negative and positive. And it has been night and day because I'm somebody who automatically gives a player at any level the benefit of the doubt Mm -hmm. if they don't have a really good relationship with their coach. You're a Division I a college quarterback. And I've been lucky enough to have great relationships with people who coach me, so I don't know what the other side feels like, but I have had teammates mm-hmm. that are kind of on that blacklist, right? And the coaches don't want to give them the benefit of the doubt. Difficult. That they're difficult. But they're just different personality, and you have a relationship with them. The coach does it. Right. You need to figure out how to how to navigate that dynamic. For sure. And, and for guys in the locker room who aren't as – or who are easily influenced, to see the relationship that Brian Flores had with Tua – if you're somebody who doesn't really know how it works, you might want to side with your head coach because mm-hmm. you feel like you have to. So then all of a sudden you have these negative thoughts and you don't want to build a relationship with Tua because you don't think he's uh-huh. going to be there for a long time. And if you're Tua, you're screwed. Yep. You're screwed in that well, standpoint. I, opposed to a guy like Justin Herbert who walks in and becomes Jesus, right? And everybody in the locker room loves him. And the guy has you know an uber amount of confidence. It's but, just night and day there as well. But part of the reason he has uber amount of confidence because he has a head coach that's willing to go for it in unconventional situations on fourth down. Yeah, for sure. Like, that's badass, right? For sure. Which that I guess rules. It, that rules that kicks ass. I guess it goes against our Lamar argument though, because you know Harbaugh's you know those famous clips, those and, famous clips like right, hey Lamar, no, no, you want to no, go for it? No, but you can you can have confidence in your quarterback in situations to get the job done. Yeah. But what about yeah. what about the other fifty six minutes in a game where there's a chance to push the ball downfield or find a target that you can fully trust and fit that ball into him, and Lamar doesn't get that opportunity. This is a super cool topic because it makes me want to pay a lot of attention to the Baltimore Ravens this year. In certain situations on the field when a pro-style quarterback would take a shot, when an offensive coordinator would call a certain play, I want to see what they do with Lamar Jackson. Still the big Rashad Bateman guy. Yeah, I'm going to be paying attention. Like, yo, second and two on, you know, the plus 30 Time to take a shot. But if they want to do some zone read or some run pass option with Lamar, there's kind of our answer. That's what Steve Young was talking about. They're not letting this guy use his full capabilities and let loose. And you and I both believe he has that arm capability. Oh, my God. But I understand why that reputation that he doesn't have that capability gets perpetuated because it's easy to just repeat talking points. Like that, that it, it is easier for the fan to just repeat talking points. And then you start to believe the more and more you repeat yeah. it, what you're actually saying, even though there's not a ton of validity to it. Because you look at the numbers, and none of the numbers that Lamar has put up actually back up that he can't throw the football. Now, Mike McDaniel, back to him and the tour relationship. This is what I'm talking about. Dan Lebetard had a great interview with Mike McDaniel yesterday at the Dolphins facility after training camp practice. was asked about Tua, and this is Mike McDaniel on Tua Tungavailoa. The skill set's crazy. I mean, the dude is right-handed. Do you hear me? <laughs> yes. Right. He's right-handed, yep. and he throws lefty. Yeah. And when he throws the ball, every lefty I've ever been with, the ball kind of tails like this. I don't know why. It's something with science that I don't, I don't try to digest. His does it. It's the most accurate, catchable ball I've ever seen. So for me, and the way I've learned football and some of the stuff that we got really good at in San Francisco was yards after the catch and and all of those things, um, which is maximized by ball placement on these things. The most accurate catchable ball you've ever seen. I mean, yeah. yeah. Kind of checks oh. out with the stops. 
Yeah, no, I just went through it. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, but from there, then you, you're, it's your responsibility to make him a star. No, I mean it's to maximize everything he has. So my job is to make sure that his best years as a football player are are right in front of him right now. Cut it off right there. Ever. Could you imagine Brian Flores ever saying anything like that about Tua Tungavailai? <laughs> Could you imagine? It's my resp- my responsibility to make sure the best years of his career are ahead of him. There are not a Think lot of coaches that. willing to say that. Brian Flores would have been mumbly and would have had an edge to him and would have, uh, well, you got to perform. You, you got to perform. Or, or at best, he would have said, it's my my job to put give him the best opportunities to, to succeed. He wouldn't say that. No way. <laughs> no way. I mean, that's basic you coaching can't talk. Say, but if Brian Flores did say that, you can't say that with a straight face with three different offensive coordinators and nobody knows where the play call is coming from. Good call. You cannot say that with a straight face because nobody's in a position. It's why you can love Mac Jones all you want. The fact of the matter is, no one truly right now knows where the play calls are going to be coming from with the Patriots. And if you're having Matt Patricia call the plays, good luck. Good luck, Pats fans and Mac Jones supporters. Good luck. Speaking on the point of coaches giving their quarterbacks confidence, I heard somebody's take. It might have been Keyshawn. It was a really low-stakes hot take that I love that I'm going to use. But Mac Jones is in a win-win situation this year. Because he has excuses across the board because he's a Patriot. He's a Belichickian Patriot. That paired with if he does succeed in the offense, it's all because of him because he doesn't even have an offensive coordinator. If he doesn't succeed, we get to blame it on the fact that there's no offensive coordinator, right? A a former defensive coordinator is calling the plays for him. Joe Judge, a guy who was recently fired, is calling the plays. So he's got all these excuses lined up. I wish it were like that It's amazing the goalposts were willing to move based on the person based on the quarterback. And I don't understand why we pick certain people to move goalposts for, but for whatever reason, Mac Jones has been given a gift. I don't know if it's the Alabama-Belichick-Patriots combination or what, but good Lord, that man lives a blessed life. Stone the Banner is Friday Night Lights. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3.